Hello, and welcome back to the Smart Report Podcast. Are you ready to put up your dukes again? Because we're here to put up our dukes once more. This time, we're going to talk about Sarah McLean's 11 Scandals to Start to Win a Duke's Heart and Tessa Dare's The Duchess Steel. As always, your whole Smart Report team is here. I'm Erin. I'm Holly. And I'm Ingrid. na 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 Smart Report! So... Let's get down to business. I, Erin, included both of these books in my recommendations for the bracket. And it is because these were very memorable dukes for me, but it's been a few years since I read them. So I was a little bit curious to see if they would hold up or not. And for both of these authors, I think I've read most of their backlists as well. So I'm very familiar with the author styles the greater world of the characters, all of that. So this is definitely in my comfort zone. But Holly set up the bracket and I was like, oh no, who's going to win? I know, Erin was so mad. She's like, I can't believe you put these two head to head. And I was like, well, you know, it actually wasn't that scientific, especially (laughs) for the ones that were in like kind of the mid range. (laughs) Shrug emoji. So yeah, I think this is our first head to head that we have going where... Well, no, I guess our second week also was a head to head where I didn't know where it was going. But this one is a head to head where I like didn't know where it was going because I thought they would both be strong contenders, not because they were both kind of weak contenders. Mm-hmm. So I had read The Duchess Deal before when it came out several years ago and had read a lot of books by Tessa Dare, not all of them, but most of them, and have read a handful of books by Sarah McLean, but had not read this one. And I do want to note that when we asked for recommendations on social media for Dukes, um, Ashbury from The Duchess Deal was nominated many times. And Sarah McLean was also nominated many times, but by far the most common nomination for her was Day of the Duchess, the Duke from Day of the Duchess, rather than the Duke from Eleven Mm, Scandals to Start to Win a Duke's Heart. Interesting choice. Well, you know, he from my understanding, needs a much bigger redemption. Oh, yeah. It's a 400-page grovel. He was awful. But we are doing our own choices first. So that's why The Day of the Duchess did not make it onto our list, because one Sarah McLean to rule the Sarah McLeans, I guess. Um, (laughs) So so nerdy. (laughs) We're not me, Erin. I know, right? Um, Yeah, that's uh, what I was bringing into this. Ingrid, had you read either of these before? So interestingly, I did read Tessa Dare, The Duchess Deal, and I remembered it about three quarters of the way through the book. All right. (laughs) And I liked it. So that's just, it doesn't mean anything about the book. It's not like it wouldn't have been memorable. It's just, I don't remember things. But yeah, I definitely had read that one. Everyone can come for me. I've never read Sarah McClure. Ever? Ever. Huh. I mean, I only read her for the first time maybe two years ago after we started the blog. So I'm there with you. Yeah, I was kind of re-entering some of the old school bigger names from yesteryear when Sarah McLean was kind of coming up strong. And so I think I just kind of missed that bandwagon and I, I get the hype. So anyway, yeah, I, I definitely had read Tessa Dare, but I had not read these. So I, I think they were very well matched in my person. Yeah, I thought some of the themes, some of the themes will be interesting to talk about. Also in yeah. view of some of the other books that we've read. Some of the- Yeah. All right. Should we do our one-sentence summary? I didn't prep one sentence in advance again. Erin, it's better when you don't prep. You like it better. (laughs) It's going to be ridiculous. Okay, let me go last and think about it. Okay, I'll start. 
with uh, Sarah McLean, 11 Scandals to Start to Win a Duke's Heart. <clears throat> so my one sentence summary is Duke with stick up his butt licks the cookie. <laughs> <laughs> the end. I'm so thankful for Ingrid. <laughs> Yeah, so what, you're, what you missed on this one is that we were talking about how much we like it when really rigid, stubborn dukes do something totally out of character to, like, force themselves into getting this girl that they swear that they don't want. Is that what the gist was? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And I was like, it's the, he's looking the cookie. I don't yeah. want you to have it, so uh, now it's mine. I got my germs on it. You can't yeah. have it. You can't have it. I mean, I didn't want it. I bought a diet. But... But now you but can't I have it. it. But I oh man, it. I'm stuck with it. I better eat it. Yeah, yeah it's like exactly. that. <laughs> and of course, the cookie in this, the cookie in question is an actual human being. So <laughs> that makes it complicated. Yikes! All right, mine is a duke with a giant broom up his bum gets his buttons pushed by an Italian woman with a questionable reputation. Throws many tantrums. And eventually discovers that actually she's a better person than him. The end. That's accurate. <laughs> All right. So my one sentence summary will be Duke more concerned about reputation and the opinions of society than love or happiness. Gets embroiled with a scandalous woman who is only scandalous because she is unwilling to cater to the dictates of people who don't matter burns down his entire life and realizes that he's happier about it that way that was pretty succinct for you Aaron. i know right very Thank proud you. Phew. let's do our one sentence summary for the duchess steel so All i'll right. start this time okay tessa dares the duchess steel one sentence summary duke severely physically and therefore also subsequently emotionally scarred during the Battle of Waterloo, seeks to live up to his father's image by marrying and having an heir. But since no one will have him, he blackmails slash coerces slash bullies slash tempts a seamstress who made his rejected bride she rejected he rejected her although okay you're, uh, you're, you're losing your you're the deep end. <laughs> wedding dress the seamstress the seamstress made a wedding dress for a bride that he didn't marry Some becomes his wife <laughs> that's not a sentence i went all over the place there too yeah, much I in the middle it. but that's anyway good. hilarity ensues okay that's good holly all right <clears throat> very angry scarred duke marries Convenience marries a seamstress, and then there's lots of sex and banter. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty accurate. So true. <laughs> I was shocked at how much sex was in this book. I did yeah. not remember it being that sexy, and I did not remember her older stuff being that sexy. Hers is kind of variable depending on what, because there are some where she does like the sixty percent scene or like mm -hmm. the eighty percent scene. That's just like okay. And yeah. this one was, but this she one was, they're all. trying to have a baby. They're trying to make an heir. You got to make an heir. Well, yeah. and we can go into that in greater detail, but I think it definitely is a choice. And I will tell you why after I give you my sentence, which is closed up Duke with severe scarring and physical 
convinces a seamstress to marry him, but there can't be any feelings involved. M dash. <laughs> <laughs> However, comma, the seamstress is spunky, hilarious, and pushes all of his buttons in the right way. All right. So did Excellent. either of you? Well, okay. Not either of you, because Ingrid, I don't think you've read this book, but Holly, mm-hmm. you read something fabulous. No, something spectacular. Which is the one with the, the Duke? Something fabulous. Something fabulous, where he's like, but I am a Duke. And both of these Dukes were like, but I am a Duke all the time. So okay, my favorite line. My favorite part was when we, because I was like, ooh, this is like a little mental highlight, was when they get married or whatever. And she's like, well, I know you said no kissing when we're trying to make a baby or whatever, but could you just kiss me now? Because we just got married and like, it seems like the least you could. And he's like, what? And she's like, okay, fine. I mean, I could kiss you. And he goes, the bride does not kiss the dude. Not the bride does not kiss the groom, but the bride does not kiss the duke. Right, the duke does the kissing. I know. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. Well, let's get to it. It was really yeah. funny. Oh, that's in Tessadere, by the way. Yeah. For those of you listening along. Super good. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. That was the one where I legit LOL'd. Yeah. yeah, so should we talk about what kind of dukes these guys are? Because yes, I feel like yeah. they're, they're like very different kinds of, like there's similar themes going on in these books, but I feel like they're very different kinds of dukes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So my recollection was that Ash was very traumatized. I was mm-hmm. thinking he was going to be like, and I remembered him being isolated. I remember the scene in the bedroom where she, he takes off his shirt and she finally sees his scars on his body as opposed to just on his face like and yes i remember all like the trauma but i didn't remember how sassy and obnoxious he is he's just like (laughs) i'm a duke so i can say whatever i want regardless of whether or not it's appropriate so i was thinking that ash was gonna be like a damaged duke who and and to a certain extent he is but i thought he we were gonna see more of the emotional damage of like uh, what Holly has talked about a little bit in some of in some of her Duke project, where it's like my mother traumatized me, my father traumatized me. I'm just a traumatized human who's living in my trauma right now. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, he is definitely protecting himself with this persona, but it is very much rooted, I thought, in his privilege and the fact that he knew that he could get away with this stuff because what is anybody going to do about it? And to a certain extent, that's right. because he's alone. But he was also raised in this world where it's like, well, uh, also I'm a duke. So, uh, well, and I, whereas, I also think, sorry, go yeah. ahead. Well, I was just going to say, whereas Leighton was more what I remembered being like the totally stick in the mud. But let's come back to Leighton because yeah. I think yeah. we, should, we need to talk about Ash some more. Well, I wanted to point out one really interesting thing because what we've talked about in the past is that traditionally a lot of these dukes have kind of repressed feelings because their parents, you know, like it was all about status and power, right? Mm-hmm. But with Ash, he actually had really loving parents like he yes he lost them kind of early but he talks about how his dad was his hero right Mm -hmm. and that ends up making sense because when when his personality kind of unfolds throughout the book like Aaron said she was picturing this guy who was like just totally like bogged down with trauma but he actually has a pretty sharp sense of humor and he's funny and for the most part tends to let a lot of stuff roll off his back he just doesn't want to go out in public that's kind of what it is and the way it kind of read to me was that he has that good somewhere and stuff because he had a pretty happy childhood. Like he was loved by his parents. He knows how that's supposed to feel. So it's not like he can't love. It's just that he thinks it was like a before and after thing. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. who he is. 
It's what happened, right? Right. So there's that part of it. And I think it works because, like, this is why I'm very curious about which one's going to win here, because we talk a lot about Duke characteristics. Well, I feel like Ash has all the Duke characteristics, like when he talks about how he could get away with murder because he's a Duke, right? Mm -hmm. That was amazing. Right? So, like, you could not have any other level, like, no, he couldn't be any other rank. He'd have to be a Duke. He's a Duke. That's it. But how he kind of, the way that he Dukes, his, his Dukiness for another way, mm-hmm. any other way to put it. It, it like he got there a different way than the other dude so i just think he's a very like he has all the same hallmarks but i think he's different so anyway yeah well and i think it's interesting you know because you said it's something that happened to him but it's not something that happened to him a long time ago it's something that happened to mm-hmm. him last year right yeah that changed that like made him isolated right before that, he was extremely handsome like everything was going for him yeah he was handsome and right he was he was handsome and popular and there's like a bit in there where like some of his friends showed themselves not to be friends but then other of his friends he pushed away so like presumably you know he wasn't isolated he did have real friends who were just like all right this dude needs some space although we never see them you know he has he has loyal servants who are kind of afraid of him, but like not, not really, right? right. They like there's all the hijinks with the servants. Um, oh my who are god, like, so funny. Who are like, we need him to fall in love, so he stops being a terrible master, and like with the implication of goes back to being the way he was before. Yeah, right? yeah, we want him back. Yeah, although I, I mean, so there are parts where he's like, no, I'm the duke, and I can do what I want, and had this enormous privilege. But I felt most of the story is about his being able to love himself again. It's like the beast. I felt mm-hmm. that the beast side of his characterization was more important and outweighed the Duke side of his characterization. Well, so my thought about it was that, yeah, if you look at it in terms of simply like power, isolation, and wealth, he's he's extremely wealthy. Like that's one of his selling points for mm-hmm. Emma. Mm-hmm. He is alone. But he's alone because of himself and because of this traumatic experience he had where he almost died. And yes, and his power just comes from the peerage. Like, but with respect to Ash's being a Duke, I think a lot of his presentation, he could have been anyone in the peerage. I think what sets him apart as a Duke in particular is the combination of all of this plus the clear privilege that is baked into his characterization yeah. the fact that he he is i mean there's the focus on duty and what his due to his title and why he is making the choices that he's making but also the fact that he just like doesn't outwardly concern himself with the consequences of his statements or actions you know, yeah like i mean it's not a big deal and that's something that somebody with huge amounts of privilege is that's true. going to happen yeah i mean his whole like i'm the the monster of mayfair stuff right, right? where he he's yeah. just like and it's the way it's presented it's like very weird even like the whole book is very nonchalant about it and it just kind of starts happening and then all of a sudden you're like oh wait he's going out every night and being a vigilante but like kind of is just like yeah whatever it'll whatever. be fine <laughs> yeah (laughs) and so So i think that's exactly what you you know what you're saying about he he has so much privilege that consequences are meaningless well and also it's not just that i mean if you think about it like 
It's not like his ex-fiance was like, I mean, if he had a lower rank, I think that, that her parents probably would have been like, she has a ton of money. They they literally were going to put her through that because that's the highest rank they could get, basically. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I think if he were a lower rank, they probably would have been like, well, never mind. We'll just find someone else. He was a duke. Also, when he goes to the parties, party in, in the end and stuff, it's not like he's worried that he's going to get the cut direct. He, that's never going to mm-hmm. happen. He's a duke. They're, he's worried that he's going to get stared at. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's that's why I think that he like I said, I don't think it would have been the same book if he hadn't been a duke because of that privilege. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. a weird way to say power, but almost power. So it's like, you know, it just it's so subtle, but I still think it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree with you, Holly. I did because I wondered about it at first because I was like, you know, I feel like even though I can argue and I'm pretty confident that Ash has all these qualities of a duke, I feel like it does get a little bit sidelined because there's so much else going on in the plot. But Mm -hmm. I guess that's the discussion is whether or not that how much does that matter? Do you know what I mean? Right. Right. I feel like it's kind of neck and neck here. It's not like I can toss this book out and be like, well, this one's not a contender because he's not. The, like the Duke factor is not the primary thing. So mm-hmm. anyway, we'll have to talk about latency, maybe what yeah. you guys think. Yeah. I feel like I should say, I, ahead, I should Aaron. acknowledge that I picked the Duchess deal to win it all. <laughs> but, but I, I, there is that. But also like, I'm still thinking about the Eloisa James. I'm still looking forward to Flowers from a Storm. So I, I'm not going to be totally invested, but I, yeah, let's talk about Leighton and just see how this one pans out. Because I got to be honest, I didn't remember this. And this is an early book of Sarah McLean's. It's in her first adult series. But Leighton is kind of despicable. He's a big baby. It's not even that. He He's just me. like. He's not so, a nice man. <laughs> that's what it is. He's not a nice man. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. He's not a nice man because he's a stuck up Duke. I mean, like. Yeah. You can't really escape that that's a factor here. So we talk about power, wealth, and isolation. And he is, when we made the criteria for this bracket for like what we were looking for in a classic Duke character, I have to say Leighton fits it because he is isolated because of the expectations mm-hmm. of, his, of his position. And he is very wealthy and uses his wealth to solve his problems. And he's powerful. He His... Mm-hmm the choices that he makes, right? Like he, he is able to get away with more in theory because he has the ability to make certain choices people don't have, and then he can get away with it. Theoretically. I mean, like he single-handedly is extending the London season by doing in parliament in order to keep people away from the countryside in order to like hide his sister's condition. Like, I I mean, if that's not power, uh, like, I don't know what is. Also, as I was reading it, I the whole time I was like, oh, man, this is such an Aaron character. It like, is. It is. It is. Like, uh, he's I, so like, constipated. I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry to hear how, you, how much you uh, disliked him. But yes, he is so constipated. Well, I honestly, I don't know that I disliked him. But if you look at his actual actions and what he's doing, like, I don't get super bent out of shape about cheating in books because it's <laughs> books and life is complicated. But... I mean, he is, he is just, he's cheating on his fiance. Yeah, he is. He's like taking advantage of his position. He is using his power to make other people's lives harder. Like there are just so many things about him that are like, wow, 
this guy, like, why is he a hero and why do I like it? <laughs> yeah, I could tell. I was like, oop, Aaron's going to like this one. <laughs> and I think that it comes down to the look of the cookies situation. I think Sarah McLean is really good at writing these types of men. She's kind of doing a different thing now with her more recent series. Uh, mm-hmm. This is definitely her older school style. So she's really good at this because one of the things that she has said she liked to do, Ingrid, I don't know if you remember when we went and saw her speak. Oh, yeah, yeah. She likes to just like absolutely destroy her heroes and make them like bring them to their knees. Completely destroyed by love and then they are rude. So that is what you see here. And it's uncomfortable. It's happening. But if you actually look at, yeah, what Leighton is doing, it's the lick the cookie thing. She's really good when he says, when he is found in a compromising position with Juliana by her brother. And he has been telling himself this story and telling himself this story and telling himself this story about what he needs to do. He doesn't actually want to do it, but he can't even admit that to himself. And he says, I will marry her. You know, that's the kind of hit that I love. It's like, yeah, you will, because you want her, but you're unwilling to admit it. Lick that cookie. <laughs> right. Except the cookie's like, fuck no, you. Nobody has to know that someone licked me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and even that is done in this situation. It's done, I think, in a better way than I often get irritated by like the, well, now we had sex so we'll get married and then the woman you know the the heroine is like we don't have to do that i'm just always like oh come on why do they all have to say this like some of you have to feel like yes now that i'm compromised i could be in a pickle right like some Mm -hmm. percent of heroines should how come no one does but in this case it's the issue that he's already been talking to his soon-to-be practical and pragmatic fiance's father Mm -hmm. so he's already semi at least semi-committed to another woman so you know she would have maybe gone with it except that then she finds out this new information about him that completely changes her perception of the situation and what he's been doing with her which i think was totally valid because he was he's he's not being a particularly ethical man but the whole point is that she is pushing him to follow his passions never done before. Right. Well, also, though, okay, I must say, it's kind of shocking to me. Like, the he is, the hypocrisy was staggering. Like, <laughs> that he was so, such an asshole. I mean, like, knives out asshole. Like, just absolute no self-awareness kind of asshole when he's sitting here talking to this woman who the scandals that this poor woman juliana like she didn't do anything that bad like yeah okay riding her horse in dude's clothes okay yeah i get that but like all of the other ones were genuinely like really it wasn't her she didn't do it on purpose but then he's got this sister who like straight up got knocked up at 17 and no husband in sight and it's like really really well, but really? he's in the process of also rejecting his sister. So this is the other one. This is the third in a trilogy. And so you've seen Leighton in two other books, which you guys have read, no. right? And no. so in the second book, where it's spent most of, most of it is at that country house, Leighton mm-hmm. comes to try and find his sister who's run away. And he just like explodes on. Her. And they talk about that a little bit in this book. But like, he is definitely more concerned about appearances and like what he's going to do about the problem of his sister than he is about caring about 
his sister, people. her wearer. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, it's still, he still has his own mess that he's cleaning up is my point. Like, it's not like it's his sister, like it's in his family and right. it's not Juliana. It's her mother. Right. So like it, there's parallel here. It's just that Juliana's not sitting there being an a-hole about it. And he's being an a-hole, which that's well, the point. That's the point so, of the book. Yes. I get it. But it yes. annoyed me. So I think that was really interesting because you have Juliana's half brother is a Marquis. It always throws he... me off when you say that because I swear it sounds like you're you're saying like Emerald. Like it sounds wrong. <laughs> it sounds wrong. But I know you're right. But so Mary Jane Wells narrated the Duchess deal. It was absolutely amazing. Mary Jane Wells is a phenomenal narrator, and uh, I love to listen to her. But at the very end of the Duchess deal, she said Marquess, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> so it happens to me too, just from the. But so. Juliana's brother is a Marquis. So he is also titled. His mother is scandalous and he doesn't necessarily have time to deal with like all this dumb stuff that's like so important to Leighton. And they're fine socially. Like they're fine. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting that Leighton, who is a duke, who as Holly pointed out, which I hadn't really thought about before, single-handedly keeps Parliament open, (laughs) ends up like he is... There's this parallel back to the Eloisa James, uh, a duke of her own, Mm -hmm. where both of these dukes are trying to shore up their own reputations. Right. Because they're going to be doing something that is not normal and not necessarily fully socially accepted. And they can't solely rely on the power of being a duke to -hmm. get them through it. Except that Leighton, I mean, he's still a duke and his sister exposes her scandal for him i mean she does it on purpose so that leighton can get out of his engagement but it's not his scandal i guess unless you say like he should have been able to control his sister better or manage his own house better but like it's not his scandal he's still a duke and the entire ballroom gives him the cut gives him yeah. the cut i was just like this is not something that feels like it would necessarily happen to a duke. I understand how it culminated in this particular story and like why this is happening, but it felt like he could have been a viscount or an earl. Right, because because like you, if, if you look at the ballroom scene in both books, the one with Ash seemed more accurate to me because he gets stared at and he's treated differently, but he's not given the cut because he's a duke. Whereas in the mm-hmm. other one, Society hasn't even really seen how he deals with his sister yet. Right. He could have he could, he could have, have his sister and they, yeah, have, they don't even yet. wait to see. Yeah. So like it seems to me like he should have been. I mean, and granted, I understand that we're talking about a fictional book when we are not societal experts. Like, <laughs> however, it just it did seem like it did seem like him getting the cut direct was more because he needed a set down and that was like necessary for Juliana to feel. Cause part of the whole thing was that Juliana was never going to feel like his e- because right. of the he way that they had to choose her over everything. Else. His reputation. Yeah. So, right. I mean, that was necessary, but when we're looking at like a Duke book, that is a factor to take into consideration, I think. Well, so he, here's my counterpoint in the way I read that scene. And I agree with you that I was like, really? Like, people are going to cut a duke over, like, his sister getting pregnant? That seems, that seems like a lot. Like, I don't think that would happen. But he, when that happens to him, he specifically thinks, oh, I have done this to so many other people, right? Yeah. That 
I read that also is partially like that people were harsher with him specifically because of how he had used his power yes. as a duke uh, to be because yeah. like he's the duke of disdain right? right how he had used that power to, to hurt so many people yeah. to hurt to um to like police society so heavily in the past mm-hmm. that that's why people felt that he in particular deserved it deserved that same kind of policing if that makes sense absolutely absolutely i agree with that i totally do agree with that um so but I want to hear, like, gut instinct for Leighton. Do we think the book still succeeds if he's not a dupe? See, I don't think it earl. does. I don't think it does. I mean... Aaron, what did you say? I think he could have been an earl. There are many earldoms in England that are older than most of the dukedom because they go back more Billy the Conk. Okay, fine. But, like... It, for, in, in a literary sense, Aaron, come on now. In a literary sense. Because there's a stretch. <laughs> like, it's not quite the same. No, I think he could have been an earl. It's all about the characterization. I think in this case, yes, he does have all of the components, but I think he was so concerned about Hmm. shoring up his reputation that he was not coming. Okay. Here's the caveat here. I, he was, okay, I'll finish my statement and then I'll add the caveat. I think he was so concerned about shoring up his reputation that he, unlike Ash, he was not coming from a place of obviously I can get away with this or obviously I can do this. Um, The caveat being that his childhood, if we're going back to the childhoods, like his childhood was so different and so focused on doing the right thing. And as I was listening to this book, I was thinking about social class and how manners and polite behavior and etiquette is a means of everybody being able to be on the same page so that people aren't offended okay but also a means of control because the people who have that information have the opportunity to look down on the people who don't have that information and that's basically where Leighton and his mother were coming from but Mm -hmm. also like Leighton was trained to believe this because of his mother like his mother is even more disdainful than he is so like, she doesn't even think that he should be friends with the family of a Marquis that he's known since they were all in school together. Like, they were going right. to the same school. It wasn't like, you know, oh, right. those kids were going to this other crummy school. Like, so so that's my caveat. Like, Leighton is coming from a different foundational position than Ashbury yeah. is coming from. Well, so the other thing that I makes me think that Leighton needs to be a duke this is more about the two duchesses the two heroines right as Mm. juliana and emma is that so they're both cross-class marriages kind of except Mm -hmm. right right so but like leighton the is so concerned about this being a cross-class marriage even though she's part of the aristocracy kind of right i mean she's She's part of the ton. Her brother, her half brother is titled. Like, yeah. even if she's on the margins, she is, she is part of his community. Yeah, she makes the cut. Yep. Right. But he is still so concerned about their class differences. Right. And like the Duchess deal, he's like he's very, <laughs> he's like very dookie and that he doesn't care about anything. But it's like, you don't, you don't think that you're the seamstress you married might run into some problems like well he doesn't expect to go out with her at all he doesn't do anything to facilitate her socialization and his criteria for getting married this was also hilarious (laughs) it was like she's here 
she's like young able to bear children and she's willing to take her clothes off in front of me because she's like fine if you want to have this wedding dress i'll take it off and give it to you right now even though i don't have anything else to wear so he's at a point emotionally where he i we have yeah you're right Holly but he's at a point emotionally where he's just like burn it all down I think a little bit right but I mean just in terms of if we're talking about how these books work as duke books like I feel like if you're having a cross-class marriage in a duke book there needs to be some acknowledgement that that is something that's even happening I don't know what do you guys think or do you think it doesn't matter? I well, don't know. I think he Ash does acknowledge that she technically makes the cut. He just doesn't mm-hmm. care because, like, mm-hmm. he's a duke and it's whatever. Because he says, like, "Well, you're, you're she's a gentleman's daughter. You're a gentleman's mm-hmm. daughter. I can marry you. Like, that, technically, she makes the cut." He does he, say, yeah, that. he does say that. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Oh, I you're think, a vicar's daughter. Why are you a seamstress? You know, like, it's well, a whole but, thing." Mm-hmm. Okay, Holly. Is it mm. just the issue that it wasn't, it was a point of contention. It was like a significant plot point for 11 mm-hmm. Scandals. Yeah. And the cross-class issue was not a significant plot point because those characters are worried about a common thing. Yeah, maybe that's it. I mean, I guess this just goes back to my initial thought that in some ways to me, it read more like, it, I mean, it, it read more like a beast book than a Duke book, right? Because mm. of precisely what you're saying that the characters are interested in accomplishing, like the the plot is different because the characters are interested in accomplishing different goals. And so I think this raises a question about this larger project, about whether the characters themselves are better dukes or whether the books are more effective duke narratives. Well, and I think I, that's, what, that's actually the question that I was going to ask coming into it because I felt like the Leighton book is a pretty clear-cut Duke book, mm-hmm. but I personally felt like the Ash narrative was a more well-rounded story, but I don't think that it means it's not a Duke book. I just think mm-hmm. that it means that it had multiple tropes going on and it fleshed out the plot in a way that I found very appealing. So I guess the argument that I was making was that I felt like as long as there, as long as the Duke bone structure, if you will is in the book and it's important that it should still count. Yeah. I don't think that you can have, even if this is a better Beauty and the Beast retelling, you can't, he is in Beauty and the Beast. He's like a prince, isn't he? I mean, like it's the power and the status is an integral part of that. Mm -hmm. You can't remove it and have it be the same. And so I feel like it's the same for this. Like he's a, him being a Duke is an integral part of that plot, even if it's also adjacent here with this Beauty and the Beast retelling. Well, the other thing is- is the Tessa Dare our first like proper rom com? Tessa Dare likes to write funny books, right? And so, if we're going at this from a perspective of like angsty Duke, angsty Duke, angsty Duke, mm. and then we throw this in a comedy laugh. Duke, to does be... that impact our perspective? Yeah, and Ayla Richards was supposed to be funny. That one had a lot of stuff that was supposed to be funny. Now, whether or not you think that it was funny is different, but. It was meant to be humorous. So it, this is not the first funny book that we've read. And I don't think it's going to be the last either. Yeah, I would say it's probably, it's the most, six, well, yeah, I guess. And like we read Project Duchess. I, I think that one also had vaguely rom-commy vibes. But yeah, this is, I, I would agree that this is the first like full on actually funny, hilarious book we've read for this. And I just think. I take Aaron's point. Go ahead. 
I think it is going to be difficult to compare the two. But if we look at them as how, how successful was this book using the components that it has on its own, like in its own mm-hmm. thing, using all of the features that it had that make it a Duke book versus all of the features that made this a Duke book. Now, this is why I thought it was interesting. I personally enjoyed the Ash book significantly better. I thought it was, mm-hmm. it just hit me. On the flip side, I really think that the Leighton one was fantastically done, especially for a Duke mm-hmm. book. It had, it hit all the, to- all the points. So I could be at this point, despite the fact that I, as a person, as a reader, enjoyed the Ash book better as someone who picks apart books, <laughs> mm-hmm. I could see, I, I could be persuaded either way, honestly. Yeah. I think so, what it's going to boil down to, honest to goodness, is the end result, the the conclusion, like the that walking on air feeling you get when you leave a romance novel. That's what it's going to for me. Well, right. I mean, so here's the thing is like I think the Tessa Dare book, I think what really makes this book work is that Ash and Emma have fantastic chemistry. Oh, right? Yes. Like they had they have really, really phenomenal chemistry. Uh, that Leighton and Juliana just like don't have, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they don't have that. And so I think that's I because I agree. I enjoyed reading the Tessadere book more because it was it's more fun to read and it's fun to see people with fantastic chemistry have chemistry together. Although Ingrid, I think you wanted to say something about the sex in this book, but <laughs> Pause for a second. And the chemistry. But I think if we're looking at just Dukes, like if this is, you know, put up your Dukes and who is the Dukiest Duke, like I really lean towards Leighton being a Dukier Duke. And this goes back to like he is real, he does really care about what society thinks about him. But, you know, Aaron was saying that he is awful to people. And that is a flip side of this massive privilege that, right? Like Ash has tons of privilege and he uses it to not care about anybody. And Leighton has tons of privilege and he uses it to kind of be a dick and (laughs) right. And still know that. All right. Right. Like that, that's, that's my, that's my take on it. Well, Holly, I'm going to, I'm going to make a counterpoint to blow you Mm -hmm. out of the water here. And that's this. Oh no. We are seeing Ash's character development after Mm -hmm. the thing that's transformative for him so Mm -hmm. we have hints that he could have very well have been like that prior to his disfigurement Mm -hmm. so what we see of Leighton is more pre-transformation we have more evidence that he's dukish before his transformation we don't Mm -hmm. have that same evidence because we're seeing the 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 character development happen at different points also you made a point that you felt like the character chemistry was different. And I would argue that if you're looking at it from a strictly execution standpoint, mm-hmm. there is a significant lack of intimacy of mm-hmm. that kind of development between Juliana and Leighton. And I think yeah, that when we I look agree. at what makes a successful romance, which is that they grow together and apart, that you can't argue that Leighton's book had that same success as Ashford's. So... Ashbury's. Ashbury's. Ash. So I think this is my assertion here. Just because, just because Leighton makes a more, like, he hits the points of the Duke that we discussed better, just because mm-hmm. he hits those benchmarks for Duke Dukiness mm-hmm. more clearly, I think we're seeing it in a different way 
through the intimacy that's developed between Ash and Emma, we do see that he would not have chosen her. He would have overlooked her. He did take advantage of his privilege. He did use his privilege. He used his wealth. He was not like, he, he, even he says he wasn't a very good person before this happened. So I think that I would take my rating for the relationship and I would, I would give it extra weight, extra brownie points over the Duke execution because I think that they're at different points in their character development. And that's, that's how I feel about it. Okay. But when we started this, if I remember correctly, maybe Aaron's going to have to be the tiebreaker on this discuss on this debate. <laughs> but if You're I remember correctly, our project here is not necessarily to pick what's the better romance, it's but the to best pick who's, Duke. It's who's the best Duke, and you but know, if you don't like to, him, if you don't like him, right, and you don't buy you, into the relationship, it won't work. Well, yeah, but you voted for Montgomery, and you didn't like him, and you didn't buy into the relationship That's because it, of who he was up against. That's because of who he was up against. In this one, we have a Duke that that hits all the same talking points. Hmm. You can't say that that the book wouldn't succeed or that the book would succeed if he wasn't a Duke. So that's counterpoint number two. And number three, the, so like technically speaking, I can still say it's Ash, even though I think Leighton is a fantastic Duke because he's got the extra sauce. So, hmm. okay. Now that you talked about Montgomery, I'm remembering that as I was listening to Ash, I was like, Oh my god, he talks like Montgomery because he's just like, why do I care about what you care about? Like, <laughs> I can be rude to you and nothing will happen. <laughs> Montgomery, I'm remembering the moment. There's that moment toward the end. It's just like, why? Why do you care about it? It doesn't make any sense to me. She's just like, because I'm a human person, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I think Ash doesn't ever go that far. But yeah, oh my god. When he's just like, Never mind. Don't bring any of your stuff. Well, I have I no need for moldy here. potatoes. <laughs> well, okay, but Aaron, back to the point of, you know, so is we're it a both going to have to try to convince Aaron, and Aaron's like talking about a completely different book that we've already rated. Like, get it together, yeah. woman. But does that help at all? The thing, Ash, no. Ash, I think, does in some ways behave like Montgomery. He just does it in a slightly different and more. But we're not way. comparing those two. Stay with it, Aaron. Come on. Montgomery's already won one. Yes, but we have to look at these on their okay, own and fine. then compare the winner to Ugh. Montgomery or whatever. So I know. You have Whoever wins this one is going to go up against Montgomery. So oh, that's no. going to be. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes, the goal is to identify the best Duke. And typically we have, I think we've covered all of our talking points that we had talked about in our initial, like, let's discuss the parameters of this project conversation. I think if we want to have an addendum of how the archetype influences the story, this is a great opportunity to do it because we do go in different directions with these two books, but this is probably the closest matchup that we've had um, mm -hmm. for two Dukes so well, that's far. That's because they're both such good books. I mean, I... I'm giving Leighton some grief here, but I really liked that book. The writing was fantastic. Plot was well executed. The characters had a lot of depth. My only complaint was that I felt that there wasn't, I did not see the development of intimacy. I felt they were too preoccupied with their own issues for, at like the singular development became more overshadowed their connection as a couple. And I think yeah. that it did work out, but that it wasn't as strong comparatively. I if, yeah. I wonder if this one 
has some of the issue that Holly had flagged for our Duke matchups that were closing a series when she said maybe she didn't think that the Eloisa James or the Mary Ballow would do as well because they're closing out a series. So the development, we will have missed the development over time. And I think we have that a little bit with Leighton and Juliana, where when they meet each other, there's a lot of chemistry developed between them in a previous the book. earlier books hmm. okay. where we're jumping off from a point where they already know each other. So it's, I think it's relying, this book is relying more on that. Oh, I want to see what happens with those two characters mm. more so than, Oh, these two characters are being introduced from scratch and we have existing feelings about them already. Not that that, I mean, I didn't read the other two books before reading this one this time. So it didn't detract for me, but yeah. So anyway, I'm ready to vote. Can we vote? I'm ready to vote. I feel strongly about it. I feel strongly too. Aaron, you might be the tiebreaker here. I vote Ash. I vote Ash because I feel like he has all he hits all the points of being a duke. It is a duke book and it's got that extra sauce and that's how I feel about it. Even though Leighton is fantastic and I feel like I would totally understand loving that book, but Ash, I just it it just hit better. Mm-hmm. I vote Leighton. I think he's a dukey or duke just like that stick up his butt. That like disdainful sneer on his face is like so so do he doesn't look Darcy young. He yes it it you know what also the fact that his younger sister is, is Georgiana I'm like oh my god come on <laughs> come on but that's true that's a good point Darcy was not a duke he was a landed judge. Aaron oh my god what's it gonna be I feel like we both made very good points here good game good game. Good game, yeah. Ingrid. I I think this is a tough one. I I don't know how either one of these guys would go up against it's Montgomery. Mm-hmm. So that'll be rough in the next round because, well, we'll talk about it later. So I'm not sure, you know, that either of these is necessarily the strongest Duke anymore at this point. I did have Ash go to go all the way, but that was based on mentality. I think my, you both did make good points. We had a good yes, discussion. Yes. I, I can't really disagree with any of it. We'll still hang out with you, even if you're <laughs> the wrong person. No, I, I won't. Well, you won't. You'll never speak to me again. So I, I think my issue with Leighton is that I still am not necessarily convinced that he couldn't have been another high-ranking aristocrat i think that his focus on being socially accepted while it totally made sense in the context of the story is a detractor for him in this race where ash is just solely unconcerned but it's so subject it's so subjective i mean i honestly did enjoy the duchess steel better like i enjoyed laughing and i enjoyed the winter so i you know it is tough when you don't want to like, yeah, you want to be objective, right? Even keeled. <laughs> but like, I have also. to say that 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 his, I have to say that his obsession with rank, I feel like a dookie or duke would not be society heals to them, not that he has to be. But I get what you're saying. But then we come back to the Louisa James question. So I think this Aaron, is going to be an interesting match. No, no, I picked I pick Ash, um, but I think it's going to end up being an interesting matchup. Or either one of them would be interesting matchups when we come to later moments when we're potentially matched up against Montgomery, or if it were to make it past that, matched up against potentially Villiers, right? So 
That's going to be tough. That is tomorrow, Smut Report's problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's future. That's the problem for future us. So the winner of today's Put Up Your Dukes, uh, Ashbury, George, George Pembroke, Duke of Ashbury, uh, from The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. Also Next known as time, Darling, Dear, Schmoopy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Also known as Schmoopy Pie. So next time uh, we will be talking about The Duchess War by Courtney Milan and Kingdom of Dreams by Ooh, Judith McNaught. Judith McNaught! <laughs> Powerhouse. Uh, so Claremont versus Clayton. I suspect this also is going to be hotly contested. A hotly contested, very challenging mashup. This is going to get interesting. It's going to get interesting. Medieval versus Victorian, too. Yeah. Well, I think think the McNaught is the only medieval we've got on the whole list. Yeah. I think we're going to have a fun battle. (laughs) Looking forward to it. All right. All right. Until next time, we are the Smut Report. Thanks for putting some dukes up with us. Full show notes can be found at smutreport.com slash podcast. Keep it smutty, folks. Na 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 smart report.